The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. Few of us have been spared relationships with emotional predators. They come in different sizes, genders, religions, professions, and emotional disguises. In the past, here on Psych Up Live, we've addressed coping with the narcissist you know with Dr. Joe Burgo, Not Exactly Love, a memoir of domestic violence with Betty Hefner, Stealth Predators with attorney Wendy Patrick and doctors Vic Shermer and Robert Klein. Today, we're going to ask an important question. How do we protect ourselves from emotional predators? To answer this question, we are so fortunate to have as our guest today, Stephen Wallhandler, the author of the new book, Protecting Yourself from Emotional Predators, Neutralize the Users, Abusers, and Manipulators Hidden Among Us. Stephen Wallhandler has been learning about emotional predators for years, since 1984, first as an attorney, then as a psychotherapist, mediator, arbitrator, and family court custody evaluator, and in the last decade as a consultant and author. He has helped hundreds of people learn the true nature of the problem of toxic people, why traditional approaches and normal reactions actually make things worse, and he's going to offer us some practical and effective ways to neutralize them. Stephen Wallhandler, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Stephen, you have met many emotional predators on your journey for so many years, and you've been in many different professions. What made you decide to write this book now? Well, briefly, over many, many years with many different clients in many different situations, uh, I, I, clients would tell me that my perspective and my advice about how to manage and, and uh, neutralize problem people that these were, they were life-changing and uh, things that they hadn't heard elsewhere. And over the years, a few people kept suggesting I ought to write, write it down so that the information could be available to more people in uh, kind of in one resource, one place. So that, that's what uh, eventually pushed me to write it all down. And, and it's certainly there. It's a great book. So let's help our listeners with this. What are the things that listeners need to recognize about emotional predators, Stephen? Well, um, the most important thing is to recognize that they are fundamentally different from decent people, what I call de- decent people. They, they lack empathy, which means that they have no conscience or compassion. I like to say that that uh, to have a conscience or compassion for other people, uh, you need empathy the way a bicycle needs wheels. And when I speak of empathy, uh, what I mean is 
Empathy is an immediate, congruent emotional reaction to another person's emotional state. So if somebody is upset about something and I walk into the room where they're upset, I will have an immediate congruent emotional response to that. I'll feel it. I'll feel some of the upset in myself. And this is not the same as sensitivity to other people's emotions. Emotional predators can be incredibly sensitive to another person's emotional state, but they don't have a congruent emotional reaction. They may even, if they walk into a room with somebody who's deeply upset, they pick up on it, right. but, they, but they may use it, they, they process it as information that they can use to take advantage. And that's not a congruent response. Right, right. So, they, so I would say that the thing to know about emotional predators is they are not like the rest of us in fundamental ways. They, they don't think the way we think. They don't have the same values. They don't believe the same things. They don't have the same attitudes. And, and they don't behave the same ways. So um, that's, that's the, the core of what, what's, uh, what to know about them and you why know, they're different. Yeah. Now, one thing you say, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, very often emotional predators are the most charming people in the room. And I've had patients over the years say, this person is just amazing. And as you say, if they seem too good to be true, it's not true. And yeah. that is, they get they get a lot of attention and they stack up the victims because, as you say, they read people very well and they present just what you want to see. So that, that's what makes it a little bit difficult because we all get fooled by them. That's ab- that is absolutely true. They're, they're masters at this. One of the things I, I talk about in, in the book is about how they will know you better than you know you yes. in important ways. And they use that information to, to manipulate. They don't know where you're, you're emotionally vulnerable. But yes, the, these people can be absolutely expert at charm, being charming, seductive, winning. They, have a, they operate, uh, the, the subtitle of the book is uh, Neutralize Users, Abusers and Manipulators Hidden Among Us because they operate, I, I say they operate by stealth. By, by hiding, they have disarming facades of charm, innocent, uh, helplessness maybe, and they, 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 appear, they will often appear to be you know, too good to be true, as, as you said. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think, Stephen, that we have more emotional predators at this point than we did years ago? You know, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question that I'm certainly not an expert on. I, I, you know, my... <laughs> It seems to me that, you know, like evil, um, it's always the emotional predators have always been with us. And maybe you could say it's endemic in the in the human species with, you know, periodic epidemics. Currently, right now, today, my anecdotal perspective is, yes, it seems to be um, mm. seems to be a little bit of an epidemic right now. I mean, the world political situation suggests mm. this to me. Um, I think, uh, you know, again, I'm not an expert in these areas, but what I call the anti-social media, people, social media, I, I think this is a playground for emotional predators. And I think it's promoted uh, more callousness and, and nasty social norms that is the, that's the kind of, it, kind of environment that emotional predators love. Um, I don't know. I mean, there have been, there have been 
studies that talk about a decline in empathy since the year 2000. And again, that's, that's my, my short answer is yes. I think it's, it's more of a problem today than it has been, at least in, in my lifetime. I tell you where I see it. I see it in their availability to their victims. That is, they have, a, they have access now, for instance, through texting, uh, through emails, through FaceTiming, in a way that becomes very, very dangerous for the victim who might be trying, we're going to talk about disengage, to disengage, Stephen. So as they're driving away, they disengage, suddenly, boom, there it is, the ping and the text is there. And it becomes, because there's something often addictive in this, very, very hard for the person not to think, oh, is he or she apologizing? Uh, is he going to say, I'm right? Is she which never is true, we know. But so their access um, to keeping the victim in the loop, I think, is enhanced by social media. Uh, these are the times when you say block someone, uh, etc. Also, there are people who are predators and who can do it uh, anonymously. And for teens, for instance, with the bullying, that's very, very difficult. So I, I'm with you. I think that there are more, and I think they have more weapons in some way because of our online status. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about these very important steps. They're a core part of the book. They're wonderfully described. Let's start with the first step. Okay, well, there are five, I outlined five steps for protecting yourself. Step one is you have to be able to identify an emotional predator for for what he or she is. And as you said, they come in all sizes and shapes and genders, but you have to identify these people for what they are behind the charming and disarming facades they present. Um, there's a quote from, uh, I think it's Kafka said, evil knows about good, but good knows nothing about evil. Oh, that's what uh, I said. And so you, we need to protect yourself. You need to know about these people. You need to know uh, their common traits, attitudes, and also some of the professions that they tend to be drawn to. And very quickly, I'll just, I'll just list some of the traits and jump in if you, you know, want to know more about any of these particular things. They, 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 will pro they provoke others into emotional reactions. They claim to be the victim, and usually of the person that they are in fact targeting. Yes. Their fake sincerity, and they make emotional displays to charm or to intimidate or seduce. They also, they'll pretend to be ignorant or innocent. That You see that all the time. What, me? I didn't, did I, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. They're very good at that. They also will, the traits of uh, trapping others in what I call a no-win bind. This is you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. they, they also, uh, it's commonly understood, I think, by many people, they will isolate and, and gaslight, uh, gaslight their targets, which means they'll cut the target off from contact with a, a wider reality that would <laughs> would help the target understand this is crazy what's going on with this this manipulative person. They will they'll also create havoc or chaos, confusion out of really relatively simple things. You ask a very simple question, and they'll avoid giving you a direct answer. Um, they'll offer excuses, justifications, anything to avoid actually changing or responding. To, to what's what's being asked, and uh, they have no they have no problem distorting reality, so oh, that if they have done something and the person comes back at them, they're outraged. 
that the person yes. is questioning them about something when, in fact, they were not late. They yes. did not say that. So yes. <laughs> that, 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 that very much so. They, they will. They will. Uh, this, that, that's. Uh, I, I'm talking about that in terms of they'll uh, they'll express uh, arrogance or uh, entitlement, self righteousness. These are attitudes that they have. They can be. You know, irritable, like like you say, or or you know, outraged that that you would even question or 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 uh, point out something that they've done. Um, they can be. They can also play for your sympathy or anybody else's sympathy by these phony displays of being meek or humble or or they'll again like a, they'll play they'll play the martyr or they'll pretend to be uh, bewildered. That's part of being uh, pretending to be ignorant or innocent. The other things that, that they are, the other uh, trait that they have is they're, they're consummate hypocrites. They'll ignore a rule when that serves them, and they're going to expect everyone else to follow the rules if that serves them. Yes. They're going to say, yes. They're going to say and do anything to get what they want if they think they can get away with it. But then you know, they'll just reverse themselves and say the exact opposite. They'll what I've found... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. One of the things I've found is that sometimes... If they they will agree to come to therapy, maybe it's couple therapy, but their their plan is to convince the therapist to be in connection with them against the victim, and they will stay for as long as they think they can work both the victim and the therapist. That, it's the point, you're right. It's the point at which they. Oh boy, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, no, go ahead, Steve. I'm having a chuckle because that is so accurately true. They also, in mediation, I've learned, they, they will, and in therapy, they, they, will, they will use this as a way of gathering information. Mm-hmm. And this is true also in dating. So that a good person in couples therapy with an emotional predator, a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse, a good person thinks, or dating, a good person thinks, well, I, I'm here to, to be honest and open so we can communicate and understand each other and work things out. But that's not the game that the other person is playing. The emotional predator is playing the game of pretending to be open and honest. And they're very good at psychobabble, therapy babble. They, they can talk the talk. But what they're mm-hmm. really doing is mining the therapist and trying to uh, coerce, <laughs> sort of co-opt, that's the word I'm looking for, the therapist. And they're trying to mine the situation and the other person for information about what's closest to them, what's important to them, what's emotionally important, so that they can use it later to uh, to manipulate. And so, yes. And with the therapist, they do something that they do everywhere in life, is they relentlessly are managing their image. So yes. They the facade. They can very, very convincing. Very convincing. It, it's, uh, it's sometimes shocking. That's why I say... You have to be a bit of an of an investigator, a detective. You have to look for the larger context beyond what they've presented. You have to look for what they've left out. By the way, that's one of their one of their uh, one of their their, uh, their tactics is to lie by omission. They're experts. Mm-hmm. Very convincing stories, and you think, God, that's so you poor thing. Until you get a little background. You read the other emails that they left out, or, or you, you look at the, the police reports that they didn't mention, this kind of thing, and then you, get a, you fill in what they've omitted, and you get a, a, a more accurate picture. So the, the first step, then, you know, is 
again, uh, identifying them. So those are the traits, their attitudes, some of the common professions. One of the things about them, emotional predators are relentlessly driven to feel dominant or powerful or in control or, or that they're winning. That, that's what they do. Um, uh, so they tend to be drawn or attracted to certain kinds of work, certain kinds of professions that provide access to emotionally vulnerable people who have less power than the, the profession that they're the professional and the professions also, these professions, they can provide a, a kind of a cover, right. the emotional predator. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so you know, just to tick off a, a number of them, the legal profession, uh, educators sometimes, spiritual leaders and gurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it used to be more, I think, uh, the medical profession. There used to be more of a model of the doctor as God. That's, I think that's broken down some in, in, well, in, well, then Google, Google MD came in and WebMD, that was the end of that. Yeah, I care. <laughs> um, also, corporate management, they're very good at climbing the corporate ladder. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, politics, as <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a it's secret given. to most people. <laughs> and, and, of course, I don't leave it out, the mental health profession. That's a great right. place. If, you, if you're driven to dominate and have power and control other people who are emotionally vulnerable... Mm-hmm. You know, now it's very important. Oh, by the way, for mental health, there's a great uh, in fiction. There's a great uh, character. It's uh, in Ken Kesey's book One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It was a film with Jack Nicholson in it. There's a character named Nurse Ratchet, who's mm-hmm. a good example of someone in the mental health field, in a mental health institution, uh, who's really a <laughs> an emotional predator. But I, I want to stress the point that being in one of these professions doesn't mean you're an emotional predator. And there are many, many wonderful people in all of these professions. It just means that I think there might be a higher percentage of emotional predators in these kinds of areas of work because it, again, it offers them a pool of emotionally vulnerable people that they Mm. can dominate. Right. Stephen, we're going to have to take a brief break and then we're going to come right back. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Stephen Wolhandler, the author of the new book, Protecting Yourself from Emotional Predators, Neutralize the Users, Abusers, and Manipulators Hidden Among Us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. There are many people who claim to be dog experts, yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend. This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild in Your Dog with expert, author, and nationally recognized dog trainer Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. 
Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Stephen Wallhander, and we are now looking at the important five steps to really dealing with emotional predators in a way that will neutralize them and really allow us to take our um, strength and empower ourselves to deal with them. So, Stephen, we were, we were going to talk about step two. Yes. So the first step is you have to identify them. You have to see them behind their charming facade. The second step is you have to know yourself better than they know you. And by the way, one of the ways they operate is to know you and know where you're emotionally vulnerable better than you do. So you have to reverse that and know yourself better than they know you. And when I say know yourself, most important is to know your emotionally vulnerable places, uh, you know, your emotional triggers. You know, people talk about, he can really push my buttons. Well, you need to know what those buttons are. And I, and I say to people that knowing yourself is, is at the core of all defenses against manipulative and abusive people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's a quote I, I like from, I always I mispronounce her name. It's, I think it's Anais Nin. Yeah. And her quote, she said, we don't, see, we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. It's perfect, we yes. see things through our own lens. And so it's important to, know, to just, it's, it's, a, it's an, always a work in progress to know yourself better. You never know, know ourselves perfectly. But uh, in particular, I, I think it's important for people to learn about what I, I've, I guess I call them their, your unexamined core beliefs, or you can call them your core values, or your operative assumptions, or, or you could also call them your, I say, your operative stories. There are a lot of ways to talk about it, but so this helps you to reduce your blind spots. So and, I'll give you an example, yes. Stephen, of someone who is a very, very smart and generous person. And it would happen over and over again that she would make herself available to help people, spend hours helping them, helping them with whatever they were doing because she was that smart and that generous. And they didn't reciprocate. And yet she seemed to be driven at first to the ones who didn't reciprocate because they were charming and they were wonderful. And at the beginning, they wanted to be her friend. It took a long time for her to realize, wait a minute, this only goes one way. I don't have to say yes. See, the worry for good people is, but aren't I supposed to be generous? But aren't I supposed to help people who don't understand the things I understand, whether it's computers or math or whatever, it took a long time for her to say, this is someone who never reciprocates. This is never going to happen. But it's just as you say, it's knowing sometimes what your gifts are and that you're giving them away. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's a, that's a great example of step two, knowing her, coming to know herself, and step three, which is um, once you come to know where you're you're vulnerable, you have to be willing to be flexible about how do you define yourself to yourself. In other words, what do I need to be? How do I need to act in order to be a good person or a a person who's worthy of being loved? Um, and that's very interesting because that your example reminds me of uh, of someone I worked with fairly recently. I mean, she similarly she just believed that to be a good person, to be worthy of, of really to be worthy of being loved, you have to do everything you can to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I worked with her. She came to realize, well, maybe there's also room for tracking what are the costs to me, and is this just a one way street relationship, or is there what comes back to me? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's um, what, what, what I call I, 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 people confuse enabling, yes. enabling with helping. Right. And, and, and I, I used to say to uh, actually to my children years ago, I will always help people who are making uh, 110% effort to help themselves. And then they still need help. I'll be happy to help. But I don't like to help people who aren't doing their best to help themselves. Mm. You, and you there's know- also... Yeah, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say a- another area, but but if do you want to finish that point, I apologize. No, it's okay. No, okay. The, the the other area is it, in terms of the knowing self and the vulnerability is none of us have perfect histories and nobody gets to pick their family. Be very I would want people to be very suspicious if people use as their fallback to get what they want from you. Well, you didn't know about families anyway. You came from a divorced family. Or you don't know about what it's like to be in a relationship. You've been divorced before. And so in terms of knowing yourself, it's worth recognizing and having some, you know, we talk about self-compassion being actually a major strength. So, So to be compassionate about where we've been and what our history is puts us in less risk of that being used as a ploy for the predator to use against us. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Yes, I mean because again, they um, <laughs> there's sort of long, long stories and explanations of this. But to be to be as brief as possible about it, sure, I would say all of us. I don't think anybody I know. Maybe it happens, but I don't know anybody that had a a perfect childhood without you know some matter of right. of wound and. Um, and then, you know, the, the emotional predator will, will key into this. Whatever it is that we maybe didn't get enough of uh, as, as a child, and then we'll present the facade that they're going to deliver that to us. So it's very helpful to know, geez, you know, as a child, I, I always felt like nobody was listening. My parents didn't listen to me enough. Maybe good parents, maybe they had good reasons why they couldn't listen or, well, it doesn't matter. But just, I just felt that I, I never got heard. Well, emotional predator is going to understand that about you. So it's very helpful that you understand it about yourself. So when they're busy presenting a, they're selling you, <laughs> selling you a bill of goods about what a great listener they are, which they're not, but they're just doing it to get you right. close. You know, it's useful to, to recognize and go, oh, they're just pushing that button in me about my need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, um, 
The reason I like the step two and three, which is really to know yourself and be flexible with how you define yourself. Um, I love your dance metaphor of if you're dancing with them a certain way and you change your step, it can't go on the same way. I mean, that's the power you have. Yes, and but by the way, you, you change, you're doing a dance step, and your toes are getting stepped on. If you change your steps, one thing you know for sure, that dance is going to change. It right. might not even change for the better, but you'll certainly get more information. I changed my step from a, a one two one two to a one two three one two three, and now I'm getting stepped on even more. Well, then I maybe go in a different direction. It'll give you new information. And new data, but but that's good. Yeah. Another way to look at that is what was it? The famous it's supposed to be Einstein that said, uh, uh, "Oh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result." I think that's. I think Einstein said that. Um, and if you, it's another way of saying, keep doing the same dance steps, keep keep making the same assumptions about yourself, and um, and you're likely to get the same kinds of results. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things that I, I call in about being flexible about the beliefs you have about yourself. I, I call them what I, I call them self victimizing beliefs, Vic, beliefs that set you up to, to, to be taken advantage of things like I'm not good enough. Again, I'm not worthy of being loved. Uh, perfectionism, uh, a martyr complex, which is sort of says in order to be loved, I need to suffer or in order to be worthy. I need to suffer. Um, there's a, there, there's one uh, thing I, I I call it a meritocracy myth. I think other people have talked about this. It's that a belief that good things happen to good people who work hard. And the, the unspoken part of that is, well, if good things happen to good people who work hard, then bad things must happen to bad people who are lazy. Now, what happens then is if you've been attacked by an emotional predator, then if you believe that meritocracy myth, you're going to conclude a very bad thing has happened to me. Well, it must be my fault. Mm-hmm. I must be bad or lazy. It's my fault. And this, I think, is very, very important myth or belief about yourself to, for people to examine and, and hopefully unpack and step back from. Because, in fact, good things sometimes happen to very bad people. who are mm-hmm. very And very bad things sometimes happen to... Very good people who are Absolutely. very hardworking. Yeah. And the, the last part about that that I think is really important is if you have been targeted by an emotional predator, it is highly likely to be a sign that you are an exceptionally kind, generous, considerate, loving, empathetic, and decent person. Because those are the kind of people that emotional predators target. They want somebody who's going to put the other person first. They mm-hmm. want somebody to put them first. So we often feel guilty, especially if we married this person or had children with this person. Oh, my goodness. What have I done to my kids? I didn't realize. I didn't see who this predator was when I got involved with them. And we beat ourselves up about it. I, mm. I urge people to reverse that. That's the fact that you got taken in by an, uh, an abusive manipulator is probably, I mean, highly likely to be a sign that you are a particularly kind, generous, good, decent person. That's and great. It's, and it's hard for people to know that, but um, I, I find that that's a very important thing for people to, again, in terms of being flexible about what you believe about well, yourself. 
Yeah, what I like is the focus on the person, on their themselves, because I'd say, Stephen, if there was any trap that I've seen people walk into my office with, it's if I could just figure him out, if I could just figure her out, and they're riveted, obsessing on, but when he said this and then this, he thought of this, rather than figuring them out and taking in like what you just said, that I'm a really good person. Now, if the bad guy, the predator, happens to be in a prestigious position, seems to have been successful, this is bewildering. Because how could this be a predator? How could this be someone who's not the type I should end up with if other people like him or her and have all her neighbors, all the neighbors like her, all her friends at work like her. She's a big Megillah somewhere. So we can really get very tricked and fooled by keeping our focus on the predator rather than pushing back to take a look at self. Yes, that's a, that is absolutely true. And one of the, one of the, um, at the end of the book, I talk about just a few paradoxes in all of this. And one of them is, um, that it's a book about emotional predators, but really the core, the core uh, focus here has to be, you have to bring it back to yourself. You have to, you have to know uh, again, like (laughs) trying to figure them out, by the way, uh, that's a tricky little thing because we fall into a trap of trying to figure out why are they like that? Um, And a lot of, a lot of sort of, I would say well-accepted, uh, theories of psychology and, and psychotherapy about understanding the causes of what what motivates someone to be this way and what what do they grow up with and their history. I think that's all a tremendously dangerous waste of time with emotional predators. Yes. You have to identify what they, what their behaviors, what they what they do, how they how they you know how they think, uh, and you know identify them, and then uh, take steps to uh, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I say. You can't change them. You're not going to change who these people are. And a lot of people think, well, if I can understand them better, if I just understood him a little bit more, then I could know how to be a better partner for him. And then he would change. And right. and that to me is a big trap to avoid. It is. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's, uh, there's more to that. <laughs> right. So let's talk about step four. Okay, well, that's a very that's a very simple simple step. I just say, so whenever possible, disengage and avoid them. In other words, run away, run away, get as far away as possible. And there are a couple of things about that. Um, oh, by the way, there's a there's a quote from the uh, Wizard of Oz movie that I love, where um, at, toward the end of the movie they've returned to the wizard with the Witches, wicked witch's broomstick, and he's going to grant their wishes. And he says to the cowardly lion, you, my friend, are under the unfortunate delusion that simply because you run away from danger, you have no courage. You're confusing courage with wisdom. That's great. That's really good. Oz, Oz, the first wizard deluxe, I think was his title. But um, one of the things about... uh, disengaging and avoiding these people is that um, when we do it, we often fall into certain traps. Again, cycling, circling back to what do we know about ourselves? 
it's very hard to just disengage from someone like this without wanting to put in the last word. Yes. to be heard. You yes. are a jerk, and I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you did this, 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 and this. These are mistakes. Trying to show these people to themselves is a mistake on many levels. They're, uh, by definition, they, they have no real insight into themselves. They don't care, and they don't know uh, how damaging they are to people. It's not within their, it's not on their radar. It's not, that's not their, their concern. They, they don't, they don't operate about that. And when you try to tell them, or you try to get the last word in, all you're doing, first of all, you're possibly provoking them to try to dominate you because you're sort of trying to say, yeah, well, I, I'm in control here. No, they're not going to stand for that. They have to be the one in control. So you're inviting them to uh, renew their attacks or redouble their efforts to, to, to get under your skin. And, um, and they'll use whatever you do have to say about them as your parting shot. They'll use that yes. as ammunition. That's <clears throat> not a, as, as ammunition. So I just say, whatever possible, just get away and okay. as quietly and as, uh, as possible. You say you have two points here. That is, when communicating with these people, less is more, which I actually very much underscore. And the other is to resist, just as you're saying, the urge to explain to them the real reality. In one case, the woman dating a man, she was thinking that he was, you know, the king of the beach, um, but he claimed to be faithful to her. So she walks in on him in bed with someone else. And he, in a later conversation, tries to convince her, no, what she saw is not real, Stephen. That was not real. So that since I first got the call, I can't, you're not going to believe how, what I found out when I walked in. Within a few weeks, she was telling me, no, that really wasn't real, Sue. And I thought, whoa. So the gaslighting had gone on so badly, and it was always because... No matter what she said, if you're dealing with someone who's a comfortable liar, no matter what you're going to say, by the end of the conversation, unless you hold on to that sense of self, you're going down because they're pros. Absolutely. That is that is absolutely true. You know, so I I, I tell people you get away from people. You don't have you don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to prove why you're correct. All of those efforts will be counterproductive and are dangerous. And I also tell them, in terms of less is more, I like to tell people in your communications, when you do have to communicate with someone like this, avoid adjectives, avoid adverbs, avoid characterizing what they do. Just, there was an old, I don't know if he ever actually said it, but there was an old uh, 60s uh, police show and the uh, Sergeant Friday, he was saying, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. (laughs) But really, the, the naked facts as briefly as you can possibly state them if you do have to have a communication with with these people and, and, and by the way it's, it's okay that 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 you know brings me to to step five the last yes. step to protecting yourself which is if you do have to be engaged if you can't disengage and avoid them and sometimes that you have children with them they're, uh, they might work, be in your workplace and you can't afford to, you're not able to change jobs or leave. It could be your boss. So if you have to stay engaged, be strategic. Don't be emotionally reactive. And, and, and that's, again, don't let them push your buttons. So 
And again, some of these strategies avoid things like you said. If you're communicating, less is more. Don't don't justify and explain yourself. Don't don't. Uh, and a certain other way of talking about it is, don't show them your cards. <laughs> yes. If you're in a, in a poker game kind of, kind of metaphor. Now I have seen people, and this has been with domestic violence cases, that one of the ways they're able to live with the predator until they're ready to make their move is they do what you suggest in the book in in the knowing yourself. Once they turn up the volume to self-care, friends who are supportive, they start working out, they start saving money. I mean, there there are examples of women who have sewn money in the hems of clothing with the preparation of getting out, having a safe house. But it's interesting to me that whenever I've seen a woman um, and it's true probably for a man too, facing such emotional harassment on a daily basis, the better they take care of their body, whether I have had people say they, they literally ran out of the abusive relationship, that is they took up running or they took up walking. Well, they started building their body and for some people it's spirituality. The more you build yourself up, the better you're going to be able to tolerate living with one of these people Till and if you make that decision to get out, I think that's completely true. I've seen that happen. People, uh, I, whatever, if people have taken up uh, meditation or yoga, mm-hmm. it's very popular and it's very helpful because it helps people to, uh, well, on a lot of levels, to come in better contact with themselves. And uh, and it again also, um, I've actually seen a, a number of people that I've worked with, uh, women in particular, who've taken up uh, weightlifting, which you wouldn't expect. You right. know, the weight- that's a male thing, and their whole sense of self-esteem, their sense of empowerment through their their physical being is is uh, is enhanced, and it it it's very helpful. It's it's uh, what you're saying is completely true. Self-care is is very very important. It's um, it's in fact it's just sort of one of one of the uh, I was hoping to get a chance to talk to you about some general what I call some general guidelines. Good, and sure. Tips for, you know, t- tips for th- just to leave the audience with some things. And among the, well, the general guidelines are stop treating emotional predators like they're, as though they're basically like the rest of us. They don't have empathy. They don't have a conscience. And a, there's a whole a whole explanation. I, I think that they're just not hardwired to have empathy. They don't have it. Um, so that's part of be, be realistic about human nature, you know, um, and by the way, I say to people, people get very uh, negative and they say, oh, this is, this is depressing to, to be realistic. I say being realistic about manipulative and abusive people, I think that's optimistic. I don't think it's pessimistic. I think, I think it's optimistic. It, it shows the path to empowering and taking care of yourself and protecting yourself and, and your loved ones. I guess I'd say that, uh, well, being skeptical, that's not paranoid. Mm-hmm. That's it's prudent to be skeptical. Um, so the, a couple of general tips I'd like to leave the audience with. Um, the first one is, to, uh, these are forms, some of these are forms of, of uh, self-care. Before you do these, Steve, we're yeah, going to sure. take a quick break. Um, uh, okay, folks, and we're going to come right back with these tips. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're describing how to deal with emotional predators. Our guest is Stephen Wolhandler. He's the author of the new book, Protecting Yourself from Emotional Predators, Neutralize the Users, Abusers, and Manipulators Hidden Among Us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Hi, folks. Welcome back. We're back and we're speaking with Steve Wallhandler, the author of the new book, Protecting Yourself from Emotional Predators. And Steve was just going through some important guidelines and tips for protecting yourself. Go right ahead, Stephen. Uh, well, I'll start with a, a couple of tips that go along with uh, it's forms of self-care. I think it's very important to practice gratitude and humor. Humor is, both of these things are completely free and they're available to us every moment of every day, although it's not a fault when we, when we miss it, but there's a wonderful, um, I think it's a, a Ted, a Ted talk. Uh, I can uh, send it to people if they contact me. It's a, it's a, the, it's a, it's by a guy named David Stendelrath. I think that's his name. I've, I may mispronounce it. I think he's a monk from upstate New York and he talks about gratitude. And what he says is that usually we think we have to be happy. And once we're happy, then we can feel grateful. Gratitude follows happiness. He says, in fact, it's the other way around. Every moment of every day offers us an opportunity to feel grateful for any number of things. And when we do that, happiness follows from it. All of the negatives, uh, frightening, anxious, depressing experiences, they really can't really coexist in a moment when we're experiencing gratitude for things in our lives. He's very careful and he's correct. He's not saying that everything, we should be grateful for everything. There are plenty of things that we're not, we're not grateful for, mm-hmm. but there are also at any moment, there are plenty of things that we can be grateful for. And so the practice, and it's just a practice of looking for things to feel grateful for. And along the same lines, the same thing applies to humor. To the extent that we can find humor anywhere in our lives, it's very, very healing. Both of these things are very healing. So I... I, I, I advise people, that's a tip I think that, that mm, can be that's very great. useful throughout. 
there's another another thing I, I, I uh, advise people is to try to take a long a long view of of events. And there's a uh, I'll try to do it quickly. There's a, a a story from an ancient Chinese story about a farmer and the farmer's horse. I don't know if we have time for it, but essentially the the moral of the story is you really don't know how events will be transformed and how, the, what looks like a disaster today over a period of time can turn out to be actually quite good fortune. Right. I mean, it, it, I, I, if we have time, I'll go, I'll go back and, and tell that, that story. But it's, very, it's, a very, uh, it's a very good story about that. Um, another tip I say over and over again is respond strategically. Don't react emotionally. Another way to say it is don't get angry. Get smart. Mm-hmm. Part of that is is learn how to control information. I mean, we touched on that before. The most important thing is know it. Don't show it. Know they never ever show an emotional predator. You know your real emotional state, and keep track of what's happened. It's very easy to lose sight of 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 the events that have gone on. We our memory quite understandably will want to block out a lot of nasty things. So especially in family courts, I've learned it's very helpful for people to keep a journal. You have to keep it in a safe place where an emotional predator is not going to, going to get access to it. If you're married to someone like this or you're dating them, you don't want to put them on the bedside table because they'll be reading. They'll be, and by the way, change your passwords. These people are expert at prying into other people's private stuff, but to keep a journal and just say, you know, here's date, time, here's what happened. Mm-hmm. I said this. That's a very, very important thing to do. Again, another tip we touched on this is play, learn how to play an emotional predator's game better than they do. That does not make you an emotional predator, and that that's very important to know. Um, it doesn't make you an emotional predator. You're doing it for different reasons. You're not doing it relentlessly across uh, every aspect of your life and all your relationships. You're only doing it selectively to protect against those, that person, that emotional predator. Um, to sum it up, they do it for offense, offensively to get what they want, regardless of the impact on other people. If mm-hmm. you play their game better than they do, you're doing it defensively. You're also always going to be thinking about, well, what are the collateral damage or the impact on innocent third parties? So that means you do have a conscience. They don't. So it, people will say, play their game the way they do. I don't want to become them. And I, I, I go into this in the book. It's very important. Doing, playing their game better does not make you one of them. Hmm. And another very important tip, and there's just two or three more here, is, is don't be provoked. They will try to provoke an emotional response from you. Do not, don't take the bait. Right. And uh, so, oh, there's another thing is, uh, I, I call it turn the golden rule inward. And it goes, it's related to self-care. You know, the golden rule is, people say it differently, treat other people the way you would like to be treated. Well, if you do that with an emotional predator, it's, it's a disaster. I say if you're dealing with an emotional predator, treat yourself, treat every aspect of yourself the way you'd like to be treated. Yes. Take care of yourself. Be respectful of yourself. Listen carefully to yourself. Um, so th- those are some, some basic tips to be kind of crude about it. I sometimes tell people, hey, it's along with playing their game better than they do. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Mm-hmm. These, people are, these people are dangerous and don't mm-hmm. underestimate it. 
Well, uh, one thing that I, that I love that you're underscoring is treat instead of treating them with care and constant worry and take and caretaking. Once you know they're not someone who's appreciating it, just what you said, turn the golden rule around and start treating yourself that way because it's going to empower you to make a decision as to what you're going to do in the situation. And the other thing is, if this is a real relationship, you should be able to say no. That is, there should be the safety of protest. If you're in a relationship where you can never say no, you are not in a safe relationship. So it really has to do with what you call the paradox of your book. Maybe we'll just underscore that one more time and then do a take-home message. So the paradox that you speak about in your book, Stephen? Uh, well, the main, there's sort of, there's two of them that have come up a lot. One of them is, it's a book about emotional predators, but that topic and how to protect yourself, but that topic brings us back to the reader, to the decent, good person. And so, and the, the secret to protection is to know yourself, be able to, you know, change and adjust your, your operative stories. And uh, you can't change the emotional predator. You can change their behavior sometimes, but that happens when you change yourself. As you said, you, you know, if you learn to, to be able to say no, no, I can, I can set this boundary. That's a, that's, that's a very important thing that we really haven't time, had time to talk about, but learning to set boundaries and uh, and stick to them. Um, so uh, there's that, a paradox that we're talking about emotional predators, but really we're talking about the reader. And it comes back to you, each person, to um, to learn and grow and empower yourself. The other mm-hmm. the other the other one that's a bit of a paradox is that when I talk about knowing knowing you have to know the emotional predator, or you have to know know yourself. It's been my experience that people have. I, I call it three aspects, Any, whether it's me, whether you're talking about yourself or another person. The, the part that you know more or less accurately, the part that's unknown, I would say there's always a mysterious aspect uh, of another person or of yourself, and then the stories that we make up to fill in what, what we don't know. <laughs> and the paradox is the more comfortable that you get with not knowing, well, something about yourself or about another person, the more comfortable, I don't know everything about myself, or I don't know everything going on with that other person. There's a lot that's mysterious. The more comfortable you are with that, the less you need to make up stories to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh, go ahead. Up, we just have enough minute. Stories, if you make up fewer stories, then you actually, the more comfortable you are not knowing, your, the area that you actually know accurately will grow. Okay. Stephen, um, how can our listeners find you, connect with you, and how can they find this book? Well, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, If you go to Amazon and type in uh, Protecting Yourself from Emotional Predators, it'll come right up. It's also available, uh, I'm in in Colorado in the Denver area. It's available at a wonderful local bookstore in Denver called The Tattered Cover, Mm -hmm. and it can be ordered from The Tattered Cover's uh, website. And um, you can reach me. I think the easiest way is to just go to the website I've, I've set up called emotionalpredators.com. Mm. Easy to reach me there. There's phone numbers and email me. And I'm happy to talk with people about their questions about the book or specific questions about the situation they might be dealing with. Great. But that, that's, the, that's the best way to, to find the book or me. 
Well, I, I want to thank you. The book is beautiful. And just as you heard Stephen um, offer some wonderful quotes, the book is filled with wonderful quotes that really illuminate the points that are being made. It's a real resource to have. Stephen, I want to thank you for the book and for coming on Psych Up Live. You really informed and empowered our listeners. So thank you very, very much. Suzanne, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Okay, um, I want to thank my listeners. Now, remember, you can hear this show and any show as a podcast. This will be a podcast by 6 p.m. Eastern Time, which will mean at any time you can hear it on the um, podcast app of your iPhone, on the podcast app of iTunes, Voice America, Sketcher, my site. If you want to put it on your site, um, Stephen, so this if you didn't hear it and you want someone else to hear it, there's access to it as a podcast. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, mostly take care, protect yourself, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.